a leper came to Jesus and kneeling down begged him and said, If you wish, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand, touched him and said, I do will it, be made clean. The leprosy left him immediately and he was made clean. Then warning him sternly, he dismissed him at once. He said to him, See that you tell no one anything, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses prescribed. That will be proof for them. The man went away and began to publicize the whole matter. He spread the report abroad so that it was impossible for Jesus to enter a town openly. He remained outside in deserted places, and people kept coming to him from everywhere. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the devil will inspire us to do so many good things that we don't do the good we're supposed to do. This phrase will catch people off guard. Father Jacques Philippe, one of the greatest spiritual writers of our time right now, he's the one who put out this beautiful quote, and it really catches people off guard because we never think of the devil inspiring good. We always think of him as that little voice that's whispering, telling us not to do the good. And yes, he does that. And actually, if we looked at this phrase theologically, that's the only thing that he does. I think something got lost in the translation from French to English. It's better to say, sometimes the devil inspires us to do so many things that are perceived to be good, that we don't do the good we're supposed to. And our gospel today is a great example of that. For it seems like this man is doing good, is he not? He came to Jesus. He was healed. Isn't that what we want? We want people to come to Jesus to be healed. He then went out and told everyone, so that they too could be healed. Don't we want to be going forth from this place? Aren't I always talking about that? How we're sent out to go and tell people about Christ so that they would know the truth and they would come to him? It all seems good. But the fruit of this is horrific. Because of what this man has done, Jesus now cannot enter a town. And so he has to stay outside, which means... All of those who need to hear his preaching, who need to find his healing, now they have to work four times as hard because no longer is Jesus able to get to them. Now they have to make the effort to leave the city, go out, search for him, and find him out there. And Jesus knew this is what was going to happen. That's why he said to him, don't say anything. Because as soon as his fame appeared, he became harder to access. And he wanted to be able to reach everyone. That was his mission on earth. And because of this man's disobedience, he made it very difficult for Jesus to complete his mission. And that's why when we're trying to calculate in our lives and decide if something is what we should do or should not do, the question isn't, is this good? Because we are terrible judges of what goodness is. And the devil can easily manipulate that and say, oh, this is a very good thing. And then we get into it and we find out the fruits afterwards, that was not such a good thing. 
So the question isn't, is this good or not? The question is, is this what Christ has called me to do? For this man was given a very specific mission that Jesus wanted him to fulfill. And because of his disobedience, we've already seen disastrous effects, but we can go even deeper to really see the ramifications of a lack of obedience. For Jesus wanted him to go to the priest. And there's that interesting line, offer that sacrifice and that will be proof to them. Proof of what? Well, to understand that sentence, we have to dig into our first reading today and spend a lot of time reading through the book of Leviticus. And well, let's be honest, nobody likes reading Leviticus because it's just so boring. And that's what I did this week. And yes, it is beautifully boring. But in that, there is a picture that came about of how God had crafted a desire for every single person when they are found to be unclean to be brought back into right relationship with him, to be elevated back to their dignity so they could re-enter into the act of sacred worship itself and understand their glory. And all of that happened through the priest. It was the priest who would see the one who has the scab on their head, as we hear in our first reading proclaimed today, and he would declare him unclean. And the man was then meant to separate himself from the community. And then after the healing had occurred, he would come back to the priest again, and it was the priest who would declare him clean. That was the role of the priesthood, to offer sacrifice and to bring people deeper into the sacrifice. And yet Jesus proclaims him to be clean today. And so the proof that he wants his priest to see is the Savior has come. The high priest, who they're all acting in the person of, is now walking this earth because Jesus in his authority declares clean and only the priest can declare cleanness. And so when the man would then go and offer the sacrifice and say, I have been made clean, the priests in the temple would have known the Savior is here. And they would have seen the fulfillment of all the work that they had been doing. And how he would have elevated their office to become what it is today. And yet because this man did not do it, and there's no proof that he ever did it. Maybe he did afterward, but we don't know that for sure. Did the priest ever hear this message? Did they ever understand the glory of who was in their midst? Did they ever come to see themselves in the person of Christ? That was the mission of this man. This is what he was sent to go do. And as far as we know, that didn't happen. And there's good evidence that it never really happened because weren't the priests some of the ones who are leading the charge to have Christ crucified? That they didn't understand. Because all of those gifts that God was given was not getting to them. When we're given a mission by Christ to go to a certain person, to preach the good news to them, we're called to go to that person specifically. And that's why each and every one of us, we have unique callings in life. None of us go to the same places as everyone else over the course of the week. Maybe we overlap at different times. 
but we all work at different places. We all go to school at different places. We all have different homes that we go to. And so we are called to bring the gospel to that place and that place alone because God has put us there. And if we don't bring that message, how are they ever going to hear it? How many are not within the covenant of God today? Because we are lacking in obedience, because we will not fulfill our mission that God has given to us to bring this good news to those who we meet. But even then, we're not done. There's one more level with this. For when the man goes to the priest and he offers the sacrifice according to the Levitical law, something incredible happens. If you read through all of those rubrics, all those directions in the book of Leviticus, once the sacrifice is offered, the priest is called to take a little bit of the blood from the animal that was sacrificed, go to the one who is being purified, and anoint with the blood on his ear, on his right thumb, and on his right toe. Very clear, very distinct rubrics from God. And those stand out. And as soon as I heard that, all of a sudden, a light bulb went off in my mind. Because I had just heard those same rubrics in a different part of Leviticus. The part where God had given Aaron and his sons directions on how they are called to offer sacrifice the sacrifice that they offer for their own purification to bring them to the level of the priesthood that God had called them to be. And after that sacrifice is made, they are called to be anointed on the earlobe, on the right thumb, and on the right toe. And so what God is saying here is what we were reflecting upon last week. The idea that the ministerial priesthood does not stand apart by itself, that every single person shares in the priesthood of Christ, that you, by nature of your baptism, are baptized a priest, not to offer the sacrifice of Christ on the altar, but to offer the sacrifice of your life. And so the combination of proclaiming the good news and offering sacrifice, those two go hand in hand, because it is a sacrifice to tell someone about the good news. There's a chance that it's not going to go well. There's a chance that relationships will be broken because of it. And so that's why most of us don't proclaim the good news. We're afraid of what people will say in response. But that negates the grace of God that occurs when a sacrifice is offered in union with Him. When that which seems to be useless enters into this life, if it's united with God, it becomes something else. The greatest example hangs before us. How many people gaze upon the cross and they see a single man who is violently killed because he was seen as a revolutionary in his time. They see uselessness. But we gaze on that and we know what happens three days later. That sacrifice is turned into salvation. It's turned into new life. It's turned into glory. And the latter cannot happen unless the former occurs first. Sacrifice leads to grace. Every time when we bring it to our Lord. And that's what we're going to really focus on this Lent together as a parish community. 
But until we get to that point, the foundation of that all comes down to obedience. That beautiful virtue where when God comes to us and he says, this is your vocation, this is your mission, this is what I'm asking you to do, our response is, yes, Lord. Even if we're sitting there going, I don't get it. It makes no sense. I don't think this is going to work. That's where obedience becomes a virtue. To trust in God. To believe that he knows. And to follow along. He will always lead us on the right path. If we are willing to follow. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit.